0: First of all, grounding us in your love and in our sonship and in our daughtership this morning. That as you are calling us out of certain things, as you are calling us into certain things, as you are putting your finger on certain places in our hearts this morning, I pray that we would know that, that you do that as our Father, as a Father who loves us, and that we would be secure in listening to your voice, knowing that we are secure in you. And so. I pray that you would use the things that I have prepared this week, that you would use them to uh, build up your church this morning and encourage your people. In Jesus' name, amen. A number of years ago, um, Corley and, and I received a phone call. We were still living in Calgary. We received a phone call from a, very, uh, some, from a, a lady who was quite close to us. And uh, she let us know that her husband, who we thought everything was going great, they had two young kids, her husband all of a sudden just up and left her, and he uh, announced that he had a relationship with another woman, and he not only left her, but he left the country and le- left the country and went to another country to live with this woman. Left his wife, left his young kids, and we were just reeling. And we were shocked, we were angry, and as we moved our friend out of her one place into a a place that she could more afford. We were even more angry as we had to do all of that. And most of us, our reaction was, where on earth did this come from? How did this happen? None of us saw it coming. It was like we were blindsided, including her. We were blindsided by what happened. I've been a pastor for over 20 years now, and as you can probably imagine, um, at various times I've had a front row seat viewing some people's uh, difficult and unhealthy relational choices along the way. And sometimes when we hear about uh, things like I've just said, or people making unhealthy relational decisions, sometimes we have that reaction. We go, where did that come from? Like we didn't see that coming at all. And we have no idea where that came from because things seem to be going fine. But Jesus has an answer for us this morning that I want to look into as to where that came from and where our unhealthy choices come from. And we have to address this if we want to become healthy in our relationships. So one day in Matthew chapter 15, one day Jesus was approached by some Pharisees. The Pharisees were sort of like the leading religious leaders of Jesus' day. And he was approached by some Pharisees and some teachers of the law. And uh, our text says right at the beginning of Matthew chapter 15... That they came to Jesus from Jerusalem, which probably means that they were sent from the temple in Jerusalem as an official delegation to check into Jesus and to check into his disciples and sort of to spy on them and to, to see if they could trap him. But they're sent to Jesus and they go to Jesus and this is what they ask him in uh, Matthew chapter 15, verse 2. They say, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Uh, The Pharisees were not concerned about the disciples' hygiene here. They were concerned about the disciples uh, carrying on the traditions, as they say, of the elders. Washing your hands before you eat wasn't something that God uh, commanded in the Old Testament. This became a tradition of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law over the years, something that had become very important to them for piety's sake. And so they come to Jesus and say, Why aren't your disciples following our rules? And Jesus doesn't actually answer their question. He doesn't address their concern right away. Instead, he goes on the offensive and, and really goes for the jugular. And he points out to the Pharisees their <clears throat> their willingness to set aside God's clear commands and scriptures in order to uh, get away, and, and, and he says... You're willing, you take your traditions, things that you say are very, very important, and you use those traditions as a way, as an excuse to avoid doing what God has clearly commanded us. This is what he says. Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your traditions? And then he gives them an example of how they do that. We're not going to get into that this morning. But again, he says, you hypocrites. He says, you nullify the word of God for the sake of of your tradition what had happened in the pharisees and the teachers of the law in their hearts is that they had taken their own traditions and they had elevated them to a place above the word of god now they probably wouldn't have said that but in practice that's what they were doing because they were using their traditions their own rules as an excuse for not obeying what god had told them to do and so jesus calls them on this hypocrisy in fact he says to them uh, some things that were probably very difficult for them to hear they were He calls them hypocrites, first of all. He says, you hypocrites. And then he says, you honor uh, God with your lips, but your hearts are far from God. And he says, you worship God in vain. And then in a moment that I think is kind of funny, his disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, um, are you aware that you've offended the Pharisees by what you said? (laughs) I think, yeah, of course he's aware that he's offended the Pharisees by what he said. Who wouldn't be offended by that? And so Jesus calls the crowd to him, excuse me, he calls a crowd to him, and he tells them this little parable. It's, Peter says it's a parable. And he says this in verse 11. He says, what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. And so what Jesus is going to get on about here, he's saying what we eat and washing our hands before we eat and all of these things, these are not the things that matter. These aren't the things that pollute us or make us unclean. It's what comes out of your mouth that makes you unclean. More on that in a little bit. So he tells this little parable in verse 11. And then in my imagination, uh, I picture the disciples having a little huddle without Jesus and doing a game of rock, paper, scissors for who's going to ask Jesus to explain the parable because they often didn't get what he was saying. And in this case, Peter lost the rock, paper, scissors game. And so he sent to Jesus and he says to Jesus, Jesus, would you explain to us the parable? Again, could you please explain to us what you mean by this parable? And then Jesus, in his, one of his not-so-diplomatic moments, he says to the disciples, are you still so dull? He says, you still don't get it. And then Jesus explains the parable, and this is what he says in verse 16 through 20, and 17 through 20. He says, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what makes a man unclean, but eating with unwashed hand does not make him unclean. Friends, when a man ends up in bed with a woman other than his wife, it didn't just come out of nowhere. It doesn't just happen. When someone gossips and spreads false rumors about another person because they're generous and spreads gossip about their poor choices, about their misfortunes, that doesn't just come out of nowhere. When someone consistently loses their temper with their friends or their family, their wife, their husband, or their kids, that doesn't just come out of nowhere. Oftentimes, When it comes to our poor relational choices and decisions, sometimes we excuse those things. We say things like, you know what, it was just the heat of the moment, or I have no idea where that came from, or I'm not normally like that, or it was just the the temptation was too overwhelming, or they just pushed my buttons. But the fact of the matter is, it doesn't just come out of nowhere. It doesn't just happen. Jesus says it comes from our hearts. Our behavior... Comes from our hearts. Jesus would say that our heart is the control center for our behavior and for our relational choices. Time and time again, Jesus talked to the Pharisees about their hearts versus external behavior. In Matthew chapter 23, uh, Jesus told the Pharisees some some other difficult things for them to hear, and he said to the Pharisees, "You are like whitewashed tombs." And what he meant by that is that You look clean on the outside, but on the inside, you are full of death. You're dead on the inside. You look great on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. Whenever I think of Jesus teaching about the heart, and specifically Jesus teaching from Matthew chapter 23, I think about an experience that I had uh, back when I was a teenager working at Swiss Chalet. And uh, one day I was working there, and uh, I was in the middle of my shift, and one of the waiters came up to me. I can't remember who it was. But they came up to me and said, uh, Jeremy, one of the waitresses messed up their order. Uh, they got this sundae, and he showed me the sundae. They got this wrong. The customer doesn't need it. Do you want to eat it? And it looked delicious. ice Vanilla ice cream and whipped cream and chocolate sauce and a cherry on top and all of that. And I said, absolutely, I would love to eat that. And so they gave me a spoon, and they gave me the sundae. And I took a big spoonful and put it in my mouth, and then I spit it out right away. Because it was not... Vanilla ice cream. It was lard. Yeah. It was not a very nice joke that they were playing on me that day. But here's the point. It looked great on the outside. It looked just like a Sunday on the inside, but it was not as advertised. And that's what Jesus is saying about these Pharisees. He's saying, you look great, and you do a, you do a great job in making yourself look great on the outside, but on the inside, something altogether different is going on. Before we're too hard on the Pharisees, I think we have to acknowledge that all of us are prone to this kind of behavior, aren't we? Polishing up the outside and ignoring what's really going on on the inside. I've been guilty of this more times than I care to admit. There are two problems with this. Well, there's more than two problems. The first problem is that we do not fool God, because, of course, God sees our heart. But the second problem is... That Jesus would say, eventually, it doesn't matter how good you look on the outside, eventually what's on the inside in your heart comes out. It's out of the heart that come all of these things, Jesus says. So in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus tells the Pharisees, he says, first, clean the inside of the cup, and then the outside will be clean as well. Jesus is telling us, take care of your heart. Take care, pay attention to and attend to what's actually happening in your heart. That's the first order of business. Over the next couple of months, we're going to talk about building healthy relationships in our lives, in our family, with our friends. The New Testament has so much to say about healthy relationships and how important they are to us. But if we simply start with and end with external behaviors, we will be doomed to failure every time. The place that we must start, the place that Jesus tells us to start, is to pay attention to what's going on in our hearts. And I would say to us this morning that unhealthy relational patterns and behavior come from an unattended heart. Unhealthy relational patterns and behavior come from an unattended heart. If we were to compare our hearts to a garden, an unattended heart is a garden that is overgrown with weeds, and they're chok- those weeds are choking out the growth in the garden. How many of you grew up as a kid with a garden in your backyard? Okay. okay, lots of you. I did too. We had a huge garden in our backyard and I hated it, okay? Because my dad would make us weed the garden. I think that's child abuse. I just, I'm just saying. I shouldn't say that because I make my kids weed the backyard too. So. But that's different. It's, it's different. I hated weeding the garden. I hated it. But it was necessary for growth. And attending to a garden is not always fun, but it's the only way to help. And so, the question I want to ask in the time that I have remaining this morning is, how do we attend to our hearts? How do we attend to the garden that is our hearts? And I'd like to suggest two ways that we do this, two fundamental ways that we do this this morning. What I'm going to say is not going to be anything new to most of you here. These are things that we tend to talk about a lot around here, but oh, are they important. We first must attend to our hearts, so how do we do that? The first way that we do that is this. We attend to our hearts by cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We attend to our hearts by cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples, he told them that when the Holy Spirit came, that the Spirit would guide them into truth. And, and Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Counselor. In fact, the New Testament tells us that apart from cultivating a relationship with, a living relationship with the Holy Spirit, who is our guide, who is our counselor, apart from cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we will never grow into the kind of people and the kind of relational beings that God intends us to be. But as we learn to listen to the Holy Spirit as our counselor and as our guide, as we learn to, as the scriptures say, keep in step with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will begin to grow His fruit in our hearts. So the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, some of you will know these. There's nine fruit of the Holy Spirit. And they are easy to memorize because the first three are one syllable, the second three are two syllables, and the third three are three syllables. Now that I've said that they're easy to memorize, I better be able to tell them to you without looking at my notes. So let's try this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are the qualities, these are the Christ-like qualities that the Spirit wants to develop in us. And have you ever noticed that as you have looked at the fruit of the Spirit, most of that fruit is relational-based? Most of that fruit has to do with how we relate to one another. Our goodness, our love, our patience with one another. And as we learn to cultivate a relationship with the Spirit, the Spirit promises that He will bear that fruit in our lives. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And I would submit to you that this, when we think about cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit, this is a fundamental prayer, a fundamental posture that we ought to have where we, on a regular basis, set aside time to be quiet with God and we ask the Holy Spirit to be our counselor and we spend time in quietness with God and we ask the Holy Spirit, would you show me what it is in my relational patterns that is not healthy? Would you show me where you want to bring your correction? Would you show me where you want to bring your encouragement. Would you show me what you want to say to me? And then we are quiet before God and we listen and we allow him to search our hearts and we allow him to shine his light in our hearts. And as he speaks, as he prompts us, as he brings things to our attention, we then, our job is to listen. Our job is, as Paul says in Galatians, to keep in step with his leading. That as he takes a step, we take a step with him. David from the Old Testament, he had lion-hearted courage. He had tremendous faith in God. He was a worshiper of God through and through. And the scriptures tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. And he was, but perfect he was not. Actually, this summer, we're going to spend a couple months looking at the life of David. And I'm really actually excited about doing that. And uh, one story that I want to reference here is a very famous story about David which we will look at at in more detail in the summer. And it's the story of David and Bathsheba. And it's not a very flattering story, but let me just tell you the very basic details of the story. David uh, decides to commit adultery with a woman named Bathsheba. Bathsheba is married. And Bathsheba becomes pregnant with David's child. And so instead of confessing to the whole thing, David arranges for the murder of Bathsheba's husband to cover up his crime. And then he takes Bathsheba as his wife and then there's silence on the matter until the prophet nathan comes to david and he confronts king david this man after god's own heart he confronts king david of his sin and then david confesses then david comes clean and he confesses his sin before god but i think about that and i think about the fact that those verses that i read search me O god and know my heart they were written by king david But I can pretty much guarantee you that King David was not praying that prayer during that time of silence. I think David was probably running as far away from the Holy Spirit as he could. But as we learn to cultivate time with the Holy Spirit and listen to him and respond to him, there is a kind of humility that develops in our heart. There is a kind of sensitivity that develops in our heart to the Holy Spirit as we walk through our day The Holy Spirit will tap us on the shoulder. The Holy Spirit will prompt our heart to respond to someone, to respond to our wife, to respond to our children in a way that is pleasing to Him. And as we keep in step with the Spirit, we will find that the Holy Spirit will bear His fruit, will bear love, and will bear goodness that was not there in the first place, will bear patience that was not there to begin with in our lives as we learn to cultivate that relationship with the spirit but it starts with time alone with god as we learn to listen to him secondly we attend to our hearts as we cultivate authentic and vulnerable friendships we attend to our hearts by cultivating authentic and vulnerable friendships Uh, i know this will shock uh, come as a shock to most of you this morning so just brace yourselves for about what i'm from what i'm about to say But that's this, pastors are not perfect. I know it's going to shock most of you here this morning. I'm not perfect. I've got my share of issues. I've got my share of relationship issues as well. So here are a few things that are true about me that I know about myself. I know know that if I'm not careful, I can resort to passive-aggressive behavior when engaged in conflict as a way to avoid dealing with issues. I'm capable of that. And I know that if I'm not careful, I do that kind of thing. I know that I'm very prone to walling myself off from intimacy in relationships in my life. I know I'm very prone, if I'm not careful, to being very, very leery of sharing what's actually going on in my heart, probably sometimes out of pride. And I can struggle with that. I know that I can quickly resort to my people-pleasing nature in order to try to control how people feel about me or my performance all under the guise of serving people and loving people. I am prone to all of these things and more in my relationships in my life. And friends, I desperately need the Holy Spirit's counseling in my life, but I also desperately need friends in my life to help me with this. I need authentic and vulnerable relationships in my life. There's a verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, and it says this. It says, From him, from Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This verse gives us this picture of us being connected, first of all, to Jesus as the source of our growth. But then it goes on to say that we are connected to every supporting ligament, that is, other people in the body of Christ. Those two things are necessary for our growth, that we be connected to Jesus and that we also be connected in vital relationships with one another. Without that, we will not grow. So the Bible tells us things like this. Speak the truth to one another in love. Do we have relationships in our lives? Do we have Have we given permission to people in our lives, to friends, to spiritual friendships in our lives, for them to speak truth to us? And are we willing to listen to that truth? Because the fact of the matter is, is that I have my own blind spots, and you probably do too. And we need people in our lives who can come alongside of us in kindness, but can point out things that perhaps we do not know about ourselves. But the other truth is this, is that there's a lot of things that in relationships... Uh, in my life that I struggle with that I already know are weak points for me. And I need people in my life that I can be vulnerable with. The Bible also says this about our community with one another, that we are to confess our sins with one another, that we might be healed. It's probably the most neglected verse in the whole Bible, that we are to confess our sins to one another. But here's the thing, is that only when we are humble with one another will we experience the growth that God wants for us. Only when we are humble with one another will we experience the healing that God wants for our hearts. But it takes one person being courageous enough to come to a a friend and say, you know what, I'm struggling in this area. Would you pray for me? This is what's really going on in my heart, a place that no one else sees, a place that if I'm not careful, I'm able to present well to others, but this is truly what's going on in my heart. Do you have someone in your life that you are willing to share what's actually going on in your heart. And when you do, you will find that healing will begin to take place in your life because God honors humility. Uh, some of you will know the name David Makitka. David and Rosemary used to be part of our congregation years ago. And uh, I, I still have a friendship with David, although we don't talk very often. But I had a very close relationship with David when he was here. And sometimes, often, we would go for a walk together together Uh, or we would go for a coffee together, and there was one question that David asked me and loved to ask me, and it was a question that I hated at times. It was a question that I would run from at times, but he would ask me this. He would say, Jeremy, where does it hurt? Where does it hurt? And by asking that, he was saying, Jeremy, what's actually going on in your heart? Would you be willing to share that with me? Would you be willing, friends, to seek out that kind of friendship in your life with someone that you trust and take a chance and be courageous and be honest with what's going on in your heart because only then will we land in a place where God does his healing. So I want to close this morning as we ask God to give us healthy hearts. I want to close by just having a few moments where we can pray that prayer to God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. So would you just bow your heads in prayer this morning and just take a few moments And just pray this prayer that is on the screen behind me from Psalm 139. And then just listen and see what God might say to you by His Spirit and respond to Him.